What's up, Hothheads? It's that time of year again, and the Kessel Toy Run is in full swing. Going on now through December 18th, you can join the force and donate a toy to a hospitalized child who won't be able to make it home for the holidays. You can find out how to donate in the details for this episode on makingstarwars.net or by emailing thekesseltoyrun at gmail.com. Thanks, and may the Force be with you. Tonight, the Bounty Hunter Guild claims that carbonite freezing is a safe and humane way to transport captives. Is it true? We unfreeze our interns later tonight and see if it is. And can dumping your ship waste attract dangerous creatures? All that and the latest Blurg race results at 11. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Hoff Topics, a podcast about Star Wars. I am joined by a bounty droid today named John. Hello. And a small creature inside of a cradle. Well, say hello to Mike. It's the opposite of me, but thanks. Yeah. I am someone in desperate need for Mon Calamari Flan as my new currency, Ian, and I'm your host. One of your hosts, one of your co-hosts, along with these other hosts who are also co-hosts. How's it going, guys? I wouldn't put calamari in flan. I also agree with this. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think they eat flan on on Moncal? I mean, Dak, excuse me? It's got like eight names, man. We all know it is Dak. Yep. The appropriate name for the uh, species that lives there. Yes, we all know that. The, the of course. course, there are two species that live there. Uh, Three, if you count the the psychic whale people. There's a there's a freeloading race that'd rather be in spaceships and the Quarren. Wow, you are. I'm moving on from this now. Speaking of a Quarren, guys, we just got done watching the Mandalorian. The first two episodes of the Mandalorian. Now streaming on Disney Plus. They're not paying me to say that, but I'd like them to. Mm. I'm kidding. I agree. Um, <laughs> I, will, I will sell out. I will sell out for that sweet, sweet yep. Disney money. Yep. Hashtag give me money. We follow. just got done watching the first two episodes of The Mandalorian, and it was honestly a great experience. Uh, I really much enjoyed it, and I thought we would take a minute and talk about the things we enjoyed, the things we're looking forward to as the series moves on. And maybe some little things that maybe we didn't enjoy so much or would like to see explored less or more or whatever. So let's talk some Star Wars, guys. Okay. So overall, with these first two episodes, uh, it's really gotten, I think the very first thing you said, Mike, when we were watching it was like, wow, it really has that Western sort of feel to it. Mm-hmm. And that kind of has brought it back to, I think, some of the feelings of the original, at least part of the original Star Wars where you're on Tatooine and you're going to the cowboy bar and kind of the lone ranger Han Solo sort of thing. Uh, it's got a little bit of Firefly flavor in there, which, uh, John, I know you and I were talking about that. Um, but it also still really feels like a Star Wars experience. So starting with sort of the overall feel of The Mandalorian, what do you guys think? Let's start with Mike on that one. Okay. I really enjoyed it. It was a thoroughly enjoyable experience. It was... Just right off the bat, you're able to see how much fun they're having making it by the people that they put in it. Some of of the cameos, some of the recurring characters over the first two episodes. And then just how much, like fun they were having by looking at the script. It was just, uh, there was a lot of moments where it was, 
it was serious, 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 and then a lot of humor in between. It was it wasn't just taking itself seriously the whole time. It wasn't just throwing jokes at you the entire time. It really had gave the opportunity for the people that were watching it an opportunity to kind of settle in um, within the first two episodes and and just kind of go from there. So uh, really enjoyable. I'm looking forward to watching it thoroughly. And you know, obviously, there's a couple things that you know didn't really resonate with me, but I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to the rest of it. Awesome. How about you, John? Overall meta thoughts of The Mandalorian. Uh, it's pretty good. There was uh, Star Wars at the beginning of it. Um, there appeared to be a Star Wars at the end of it. Hmm. Uh, there seems to be a Star Wars going on throughout it. So I'm a big fan of that. Just as a reminder, my favorite Star Wars movies are the indoor movies. So if you're better than that, then you're a good Star Wars movie. Which basically means everything. Everything. Means everything. Hmm. Especially since in that first episode they got blurgs. Blurgs are introduced in in the indoor movies and that's my favorite part <laughs> no it's not my favorite part my favorite part is the uh the guy that summons taxis with a flute <laughs> i need more of him i need his backstory uh, where's his legend stories <laughs> it's probably gonna be in a book you know exploring Books? his origins no, no no disney plus original series of man, oh, flute, man guy? City. flute guy <laughs> flute guy sitting on ice he used to be a spy for the imperials and now he's a flute guy flute guy on ice let's do it yes yes disney disney on please ice with money. flute guy please give us money <laughs> <laughs> is that gonna be the theme for tonight just disney give us money <laughs> oh god i hope not I need roughly 12.99 a month from you guys <laughs> yeah yeah if you can just cover our costs that'd be great <laughs> for watching your your stuff but but I, I did really like it. I like that with the Star Wars stories movies that I I feel like they kind of ended a little too soon uh, mm. just because of uh, the poor box office return of Solo. Um, that they were trying to experiment with things that they could do in later series. Is series I series series? It's series now. I'm gonna go series. Yeah. <laughs> but we, I, I felt a lot like at the with the new trilogy movies they did a lot of kind of unnecessary exposition for things and that's kind of a trend in modern cinema anyway that uh no longer do we get uh my father fought in the clone wars and then never touch back on that until 20 years later right uh we have to go my father fought in the clone wars well you see the clone wars was this thing the blah 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 and with with rogue one they tried it a little bit with dropping some things you probably didn't know with solo i think they tried it too hard with dropping things that you probably need to know hmm with the exception of like like Kira just dropping Terracossi, which is a terrible video game. Oh, love it uh, so much! But like she didn't explain what that more more than what that was. Well, she showed what it was and then said the name of it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> uh, which is better than a five minute explanation of what Terracossi is. Show don't tell. Um, it's the language of movies. But I, I feel like that they've figured that out for this one, where you could have uh, Horatio Sands as a blue man just say, "I was going to be home for Life Day," and then that's kind of just move on, move on, yeah. yeah. Talking about um, the currency that they use on deck. Just move on. Yep. Though, it's it shouldn't be puck-shaped because they say it's Mon Flan. And it kind of looks like it should be eaten. And, like, maybe it is an edible currency. We'll have to wait till a book is written about it. Or yeah. its own... Um, comic um, series. Comic series, standalone show. Mm-hmm. Trilogy. That could be what um, what Ryan Johnson's thing is going to be about. I uh, hope not. About... That sounds miserable. About yeah. No, thank Mon you. Cal, uh, Mon Cal economy. Did, Mon Cal economy. It's interesting. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Johnson. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Give me money. <laughs> <laughs> one, one of the things that I, I really liked about the, the vibe that the Mandalorian set up is that 
I agree with you. It does have that sort of like uh, show don't tell mention small things, but in in the way it's doing it, it really sets up kind of the world that they're living in right now. You know, just that little exchange with the currency, uh, with the the bounty guy. And he's like, oh, you know, Imperial credits still spend, but I can do this and I have less of it. You know, that was like a two sentence exchange and it sets up what do we know from that? We know that the galactic economy is in turmoil and that nobody's really sure what's going to spend where they're in a transitional period. That's all conveyed in two sentences. And that I really enjoy that the characters talk as though they live in the world. They don't do that thing like you were describing, John, where it's just like, I'm going to explain my backstory because I know I'm sitting in front of an audience. They're giving us enough information that we can get the information and the world build out of it without smacking us in the face. And I really, really enjoyed that. Setting the tone for The Mandalorian is this very first scene where he walks into a bar in the middle of a frozen wasteland and gets into an altercation with two people, one a Quarren and a human who are after his bounty. And I think that was a great way to kind of set the tone for this. During the trailer breakdowns, I was looking at that part where the Quarren guy kind of gets closed up into the the doorway, and I was thinking to myself, okay, well, this is going to go one of two ways. He's either just going to be stuck in the door... And that'll kind of set the tone. Nah, dude got sliced in half, Mm -hmm. which was rad. (laughs) Not something I was expecting, like, right off the bat out of a Disney, like, product. Right. But that was, yeah, it was super interesting. Like, it it made sense to to kind of go after the the bounty hunter character and introduce this main character that the whole show is going to be around, around this. Like, from a casual perspective, they basically tell you with words that he's a bounty hunter, and they show you what he's capable of. They show you kind of the things that that he he does in his job and so it was just a perfect like couple minutes to spend to show you exactly who he is and what you can expect out of this character within the rest Mm. of the series really 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 well done i agree with you completely so let's talk characters what stood out to you guys in the mandalorian two episodes so far in terms of some of the characters that we've seen on screen the mandalorian himself uh, what are some memorable moments for you? Uh, John, let's start with you. Flute guy. Flute guy number one. Other than flute guy. Oh, what? There's another character? Who else? Flute guy. I just like flute guy. I mean, this is going to be the obvious ones that I'm going to talk about because I'm sure everyone's going to talk about them over here. So I'm going to go deep cut side characters. Let's go with um, let's go with Constable Zuvio making a cameo. There's um, a reason to own that figure now. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, are you familiar with Constable Zuvio? I know of us? his figure, yes. Yes, okay. That was an interesting birthday. So, <laughs> so, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, we gave Ian Constable Zuvio's Both of us. figures. Two yep. different ones. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're still on the shelf somewhere. <laughs> one's out of the package, one's still in the box somewhere. Oh, no, I meant like in Target. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I like that there was there was stuff like that, like uh, throwbacks to Zuvio. Uh, there was uh, one of Infy's Nest's writers uh, mm. from Solo in the bar. I think there was a, a blue... Rodian mm-hmm. from Solo in there, if I remember right. And the inclusion of all like legacy style aliens. Like when we later in the episode we come across Weequay and Klaatu and Trandoshans. Mm. There might have been a Nictu. Ugnot. It just it's Jawas. It's just really fun to try to remember those those three of them because they're all the all all the words to summon Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. 
Klaatu Baradinik do. Mm-hmm. They just like, we'll make them aliens. <laughs> it's really easy. Give me money. <laughs> you can't um, just call them lazy and then ask for money. No, that was 21st Century Fox that was lazy. Actually, it might have been Kenner. That's it was probably Kenner. Probably Kenner. Yeah. Panda face. Yak face. Hammerhead. Wolf guy. Wolf wolf, wolf bro. Farm person. Farm person? <laughs> Farm hero. What were we talking about? Characters? Oh, that's characters. right. Characters. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess for me it was more like the... the all these like throwbacks to other characters that I know there was a lot of complaints in the the sequel trilogy that we're kind of getting new aliens instead of the old aliens. I'm not and sure if there whatever. was a, I'm not sure if there were a lot of complaints, but that is there, a complaint. There was there, there was, was a, a lot. <laughs> that was a complaint that I had about those movies uh, because you know you want it to blend and yeah. feel like it's a, it's a continuation of the worlds, and I think that this i i actually had that written down my notes as well i really like how they blended new and old mm. um in in this series uh especially that quarren who as opposed to having just a rubber mask face had a captain barbosa face no not barbosa we talked we mean i messaged you about this what's that yeah. guy's name davy jones there he had a go. davy jones face like the cg on on his tentacle head was pretty cool yeah i agree i like that a lot uh how about you mike characters that stood out I mean, to start the like, it was yeah the ones that you knew who they were in real life. Like mm. I caught Horatio Sands, Brian Posehn, like Nick Nolte was in it, Herzog, like all those people. It's really cool that you know these people that probably grew up as Star Wars fans or some people that you know were never going to be a part of the Star Wars you know story are now part of that. Like Brian Posehn's never going to forget that he was in Star Wars. <laughs> like that's really cool to start out. And then eaten by walrus, right? Obviously. Um, <laughs> Outside of that, I think um, the other Mandalorian, the one that like gave him his shoulder armor, mm-hmm. I think I would love to see a little bit more out of you know that character. Right. Um, that's definitely like you know there, it gave you a little backstory, but you, you know there's going to be a lot more to that character um, if they show up again. So I you know the depth out of that would be really cool to see. Um, and then just like Nick Nolte's character was really rad. Um, he has spoken. He has spoken. Um, <laughs> he gave a he gave us a lot of uh, comedic moments as well as kind of he he got the storyline through the first couple episodes. Like you know when he gets there, he kind of introduces him to the area and then gives you know it's the hero's journey or whatever. He's right. like that that first character that kind of teaches him how to go about what is his next step. And then, you know, he sets him on the path and then, you know, gets him to where we left off in episode two. So um, that was a really cool character that I really enjoyed. And um, yeah, it was really fun. Very nice. I was particularly, uh, I, I very much also enjoyed the, the Mandalorian Smith I, I want to know more about her. Uh, I, I like that in, in the, the lore, uh, Beskar Iron, the Mandalorian Iron, that's like a big deal. And it's like the very cultural, same culturally significant thing. I'm saving that clip and I'm renaming the episode. Though. Oh, great. Yeah, good job spelling it. It's a very culturally significant thing to them. And that whole scene really brings that across in a way that we haven't really seen in any other media before. Side note, she's got horns on her helmet, and I'm kind of, I would be interested to know if that's a holdover from when 
Darth Maul was uh, the head of the Mandalorians in Clone Wars. Uh, Clone Wars. I'd be I'd be really interested to know if if that was done for that reason or if it's just kind of a cool decorative thing. But that's like a deep lore cut that me and you know ten percent of the population would be interested in. Of course, Dave um, Filoni stuck that in there since. He was yeah, in charge I, of that whole thing. I would love that. I'm That'd surprised there are no wolves in the first episode. <laughs> Dave Filoni likes wolves. Okay. He's yeah. an understatement. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> accurate. Um, I also really enjoyed uh, Werner Herzog's character. He literally looked like he wanted to eat the Mandalorian <laughs> the entire time. Uh, just the sheer intensity uh, of that character, this is a guy that's clearly used to his orders being followed without question, and really exudes that imperial nature. And you can tell, like the fact that he needs to be hiding out in a you know a basement with a bunch of stormtroopers that look like they've just crawled out of a battlefield. Like, this is not his element, this is not where he wants to be, and he wants to get back on top, and that just, the intensity was really felt in that scene. Um, what did you guys think of IG-11? <laughs> oh, the bounty bot? Yeah, the bounty bot. Mm. He, he wants to activate self-destruct. <laughs> he seemed, like, too efficient of a bot to be in Star Wars. <laughs> okay. Like, he was too good at what he was doing, and he was too good at being able to kill things. Like... He was designed by people that are notoriously terrible at shooting things, <laughs> so it didn't make sense. But no, it was it was a it was a cool character. I appreciated that um, he was so willing to die over and over again um, for the good of the people. Um, but yeah, it was it was a fun way to bring humor into a very serious like situation and show that like the Mandalorian wasn't going to be this like unbeatable force like you know he's gonna ask for help later on you see that he like loses basically a fight so uh, a couple think, fights yeah it was i think it was important to like it's this very stoic figure but you're able to see him be vulnerable so many times within the first couple episodes i thought that was a touch that i wasn't really expecting in all honesty i wasn't either i absolutely agree with you i think that uh it really adds more character you know, he's not just a super soldier, uh, you know, who's unstoppable and unbeatable, who the story happens around him. It seems like he's really part of the story, even though he has some of those stoic super soldier elements mm -hmm. to him. Uh, he definitely has more of a uh, more of a, a, a personality, even if it's not one that we're used to seeing. I absolutely agree. What do you think, John? I like that guy. Um, I, I see what you're saying about him being too efficient. That particular droid series in in Star Wars in the, the history is kind of notorious for being too efficient at their jobs. The thing that I found interesting is they didn't just go with the one named character from Empire Strikes Back. There's another droid that looked like him as mm -hmm. one of the bounty hunters named IG-88. And Mike in in Legends, I don't think this is still true in canon. He was developed as an assassin droid, and then they got him off the line, and then he just murdered everyone in the facility, took nice. over the facility, and then just, like, cloned himself with the other droids. Yeah, he kind of so minded there's IG-88B, but there's also, like, IG-88 through the rest of the letters, mm -hmm. so you never know which one you're fighting. Okay. And yeah, they're just like him. They're just like, obnoxiously efficient and terrifying and just, yeah. like, 
I have a job, and you're in my way, and everyone needs to get murdered. This one seemed to be a little bit more, like, open to suggestion by just standing in the middle of the street and waiting for responses. Yep, I enjoyed that. (laughs) No concept of taking cover. He's like, I'm either going to win or I'm going to blow up. You know, these are my options. Um, uh, Speaking of side characters real quick, the doctor character with Werner Herzog... Pershing. uh, Pershing. He has a patch on him that indicates that he has some knowledge of the cloning program in Camino. And what I like about that is that you don't need to know that in order to continue this story. But if you do know that for the extreme deep lore people like myself, uh, it's a really cool kind of like easter egg reward kind of thing so the the emblem that he's wearing was worn by clones that were training mm-hmm. not by the cloners right so i think that's interesting because he's definitely too young to be a clone of of uh of Django. yeah he's also not nearly kiwi enough to yeah be a... let's get into some of the action scenes before we go deeper into the story so we had a couple really cool action scenes that were all pretty varied, I think. We got the uh, bar fight scene in the very beginning. We had the zapping of the large walrus monster. We had the... Blurg fight. Blurg fight. We had the Jawa fight. We had the the western shootout with IG-11. And we had the the quest for the egg, where he got beat up by a giant rhinoceros. So... How, how are we feeling about the, the action? I personally think it's very Star Wars. Mm. It feels very Star Wars. Um, the variety of it is really good, especially because, you know, we've got two episodes so far. Um, none of it really feel, felt forced to me. And it was one heck of a good time and varied. Yeah, like when you just listed out all of those action scenes i'm like oh yeah that was a lot um i don't like if i had to tell you which ones there were there's i'd probably say there's a couple every episode but yeah there was obviously more than that and that makes me think that it's it that makes me feel like it is flowing into the story as opposed to just being forced at you like this is an action show as opposed to this is like a character show where action takes place as well so i thought that was really cool um some of the highlights uh the big shootout uh just made it feel like so much of a western everybody like on tops of buildings Mm -hmm. and like behind cover and there's a big door that you have to blow up at the end it was like super cliche western stuff and i thought that was awesome to be able to like like finish a one you know episode one with that um just really establishing that like it started with a super um the episode started with a super big um you know western scene and then it finished with the same thing and so that was a great way to introduce everybody to the story and then um stuff in action you know in episode two it was you know that big rhinoceros scene or the one where he's getting on the giant tank and then getting zapped and losing like in two seconds after this huge amount of effort that he puts into it. I thought that was, yeah, that was really cool and and just built up the character a lot. Like I said earlier, he's not unbeatable um and he's he's able you're able to see that it's just a it's just a guy instead of this, you know, unbeatable killing machine. So, yeah, the 
it really flowed through the story and I'm really looking forward to seeing how that just kind of meshes with the rest of the character build up the rest of the way. Absolutely. How about you, John? Uh, I got to agree with what Mike said earlier that um, they didn't like shy away from showing that the Mandalorian isn't uh, the greatest fighter of his generation. He's still, he's still learning stuff, especially in the second episode where he, he fails to be the action star twice but also going back to when he's he visits like goes back to visit the the Mandalorian tribe clan house wherever it is and the weaponsmith asks him if he's received it or if he's uh his signet yeah he has received his signet yet or something like that or sigil and he says no which like for me from playing way too many fantasy games with Yui and it uh that generally means that he's still he's not a full he's not a knight yet so to speak he's he's still on his process of of going there and he's like a level two or three character yeah that's about level yeah. 10 he hasn't well, or or he's a level 10 that multi-classed the wrong classes <laughs> fighter bard <laughs> did not mid max the right way yeah mm. hate to see it hate to see hate it. to see it the thing i really enjoyed about the action sequences is the varied uh, sort of use of weapons and skills that we see because that's kind of a thing that Mandalorians are known for in lore but in practice we've really only seen you know uh, Jango Fett I think who's probably the best not a Mandalorian uh, I know but uh, he was the best sort of example of the using of the the various sort of Mandalorian items, you know, with the shooting and the jetpack and the rockets and the flamethrower. When we go into Rebels, it's it's a lot... I, I It's not nearly as varied, except for maybe on Sabine. Um, at least I don't remember it being such. I just remember it being a lot more combat-oriented in terms of just, like, straight-up blaster fire and jetpacks. Yeah. And I really enjoy how in, in the, we kind of bring it back to that lore with the Mandalorian where he's using a... a you know he's he has all these tools on his tool belt for for combat, and he's able to sort of pick and choose the right times to use different ones. It makes all the scenes really interesting, really varied, and the combat is more, I think, interesting than just your normal uh, Star Wars shootout, which I still love. Don't get me wrong, but there's only so much of watching people behind cover shoot at things uh, that. You know, you can only watch that so many times before it kind of gets old. And I think that The Mandalorian really spices up its combat mm-hmm. with uh, with those scenes. And I think it felt very, like, mechanical as opposed to, like, fantasy. Like, there were there's so many instances, like you said, where he was pulling something else out. Uh, but also, like, his gun misfiring because it was covered in mud. Right. Or um, just, yeah, the various different scenes where he's just presenting... He's presented with an object in in front of him to deal with, and he has to figure out, like, what's the best use out of all the things that he has. Like, he he had that line in the second episode where it was, um, like, my rifle or my gun is, like, part of my religion or whatever it was. So I was excited to see that, you know, yes, that's, like, going to be his main, like, weapon. When you think of him, you think of that rifle as well. But there's so many different aspects that he could pull out to kind of get to what he needs to out of the situation. I thought it was really cool. Absolutely. Can we talk about how useless his flamethrower is? Oh, I love that so much. (laughs) He gets attacked by a blarg, flames it, misses. He He gets attacked by the rhino, the fur rhino, and he just flames it in the face for, like, a good four seconds. And the rhino's like... No, get out of here. 
and the only time it's ever effective is when he throws it at some Jawas for insulting his armor. I'm not necessarily <laughs> sure that that's even effective, too. No, it was not. He missed. He, yeah, point <laughs> flamethrower to the face, and the Jawa just dodged out of the Yeah, way. and came back like, whatever, dude. I yeah. live on desert planet. I don't care about your fire. Your fire is colder than our sun. I mean, as someone that watches BattleBots, I know like all of the ones that shoot fire are the worst Worth, ones. Worthless. <laughs> yeah, absolutely worthless. So anybody would know that. Right. <laughs> absolutely. Oh so, well, no, Janko Fett used it too against um against a like a rhino monster. Uh, yeah. And all that made him do was get picked up and rolled around. Plant I think he, I think not he successfully lit someone's cloak on fire, and that was about it. Yeah, and then the dude just, just took on the his ground. cloak yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was. I think it was one at Insync. It was set on fire. What about Insync? Insync. Django Fett set Insync on fire. They're Jedi's. They they gave they gave Obi Wan and Anakin lightsabers. Oh my God! Were they really? How (laughs) do I not know this lore nugget? I'm gonna have to Google this real quick because it might be the Backstreet Boys. They are very interchangeable. I'm I'm pretty sure it was Insync. I still didn't know that boy bands were involved in the Jedi Order. So this is changing all things. Of Dem Clones. Dem Clones. Dem Little Cloners. We'll be right back. <laughs> Here's a message from one of our sponsors. Disney, please give us money. That's not a Dis- sponsor. Disney Love money. John. Uh, if they were paying us, they'd be a sponsor. It's <laughs> Joey Fatone and someone else. I don't really want to click on anything else. That's that's all I need Saint to know. Mm-hmm. Made a cameo. Super weird, dude. Didn't seem from Jedi. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't know that. That yeah, seems like... Fake nerd. Wow. <laughs> Not just fake Star Wars fan. Fake nerd entirely. Right. Not a nerd at all. That's nuts. So, there was a big... Big. I mean, big. big. I mean, big. big, big. There was kind of a big reveal at the end of episode one. All the talk around the Mandalorian, a lot of it was kind of centered around, oh, we're finally going to get a series that has... Very little force interaction, you know, lots of underworld stuff, and a lot of us were behind that. And we have the reveal that he's been sent to capture a child who is not only force sensitive, and we're talking like infant, you know, style force sensitive. 50 year old infant, yep. Yeah, um, but is also a member of Yoda's species. And I'm really interested to hear what you guys feel about it because, of course, I'm I'm the you know the forcey warcy fanboy, but I too was also looking forward to seeing maybe a little bit less of that in this series. But I also don't feel like it breaks it. Uh, so let's let's start with you, Mike. Okay. Uh, and what, what were your how, how do you feel about that character being introduced? Uh, because I had watched the first two episodes a few days after they had come out. It was already, like, spoiled to me. Like, I went on Twitter, and so obviously everybody was talking about Baby Yoda. And just like most of the people, when you look at them, you're like, okay, I love this character. It's adorable, and it's it's a little tiny Yoda and a a magic egg. Um, So obviously (laughs) I want more of this. Um, I had gone into it kind of, like, with the same thought that I had with Solo that I was hoping with Solo didn't get with Solo which was I'm hoping for a story that doesn't have a galactic impact mm-hmm. and I feel like that was already broken within the first episode um, but again I don't think I think there's a lot more hope 
Like, we have a lot more episodes to go. It doesn't have to be the completely overarching story. It doesn't have to be, like, an overbearing character where it takes over the story. It's still the Mandalorian. It's still, you know, this this rad bounty hunter. So I don't think... I, I'm a lot more hopeful that it's just... That's just going to be a little part of the story and it's not going to just overtake it because and all this force is going to be like magically forced on us. Um, I, we got that with the, the last fight, but I thought it was just a really cool introduction to the character to give, you know, little baby Yoda a little bit more of uh, you know insight into what his powers are currently. I'm fine with that um, if he can you know stop a rhino for a little bit um as long as that is not happening like three times an episode i think it's gonna be completely fine so we'll see how it goes um but yeah like like i said i don't want the galactic impact of um you know this story being the most important thing in the world currently because we're showing you and because it's star wars so we'll see how it goes fair enough fair enough John. Uh, I was legitimately afraid that this exact thing was going to happen. That the Mandalorian's first bounty was going to be some sort of young, force-sensitive child that yeah, he now needs to protect. Um, yeah, and Firefly's idea, and <laughs> so many other space westerns' idea. But I think it being a baby Yaddle, because I'm going to the Yaddle. Yaddle is another Yoda. I believe you. I think it's because it's that race that like even in legends we really didn't know anything about yoda's race we don't even know the name of his race mm-hmm. as far as i know uh i don't read books though so i could be wrong we don't know uh, i think and also the, having least, it as like yeah. an infant that probably doesn't know anything about the order at all probably just naturally mm-hmm. part of its species naturally gifted and in, in the in the wiggle finger ways i i think it it opens up an opportunity for us to learn more about that species and that kind of softens the blow to me that oh we're not going to get through one episode without the the force being part of this i of course loved liked it a lot because i am uh, a forcey worsey fanboy but i agree with you mike i think that it uh there's a good chance that this won't be the overarching plot line um i just don't see and even if it does kind of have some of those elements i don't see the machinations of one dude in the basement with a couple stormtroopers being something that will have huge galactic consequences Mm -hmm. so i agree with you i think it's going to be a little bit more reined in i don't see it taking over the entire thing i think it was i agree with you john and the fact that you know using this up as an opportunity to explore yoda's race as opposed to just another force sensitive kid because we've seen that story we've played that story we've read that story you're currently playing uh, that story yeah i'm currently <laughs> running that story in a, in a oh no i meant fall in order yeah i'm currently <laughs> playing that story it's really i think it was used appropriately and in a restrained manner much like churret in in rogue one where it was a little bit of that Force Spice thrown in for us us fanboys of the Force, but not so much that it overshadowed the entire story. And I think it'll continue that way. Um, The Mandalorian is an interesting enough character, and I think that the fact that this child is there is really helping us learn more about him as a character because of how he, you know, he shot IG-11 in order to save the child from being killed. He went through 
enormous lengths to keep the kids safe. And yeah, he's turning him in for a bounty, but so that just kind of adds to the, the, the nature of the questions that we have about him and his character. What's this guy about? Where, where Where's his moral line? What will he do? What won't he do? He seems to have heart, but he's also hard. Instead of it usurping that concept, uh, Baby Yoda, Baby Yaddle, Baba Yaga is enforcing the Mandalorian as a character. So I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes from here. So we've got some unanswered questions, some things that kind of set up to see where it goes for the next couple episodes. So what are some things you guys want to see going forward? Some questions you're looking forward to being answered or what do you want to see in the next couple episodes? Because we'll probably reconvene and come back and talk about them too. So uh, let's start with John. Oh, that's me. Um, real quick, going back to the the, the ba- baby Addle thing. A thing that I did like is that when baby Addle, baby Yoda, Paviaga use use their power, it took them out. Like, oh yeah, it it's strong in the force, but also it takes so much out that leaves me hope that we're not just gonna get baby Yoda becoming the main hero of this story because mm-hmm. he's the one that can do everything. So I was appreciative of that. What am I looking forward to? I want to know more about his little Mando tribe that lurks in, lurks in the dark, hangs out and plays board games. And I don't know if you noticed it, but even like the Mando kids running around in the tunnels had helmets on. Yeah, I saw that. Um, which I thought would, which I thought was interesting. For me, the the biggest hook for it right now is when when he's getting the pauldron made, the armorer, weapons armorsmith. I can't. She has like an official name. I can't remember what it is. She mentions that the supply of Beskar is generous and that a lot of it will, a lot of the excess will sponsor foundlings, which then the Mando replies, I was a foundling once, which kind of goes back to Old Republic, where the Mando, like a Mandalorian wasn't just specifically a particular race of humans or whatever. It was anybody could be a Mandalorian as long as you followed the Mandalorian code and proved yourself. It was a culture. Um, yeah. And so I think they're kind of bringing that in, into the, the main canon timeline, mm-hmm. especially since in the movies, this is the first, or like in live action, this is the first time we've seen a Mandalorian, a real Mandalorian, mm-hmm. a real Mandalorian. Yes, I know, John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm interested more in, what uh, Dave Filoni started in the Clone Wars is learning about the culture of Mandalore and, you know, seeing how it's changed. Because from Legends, we know it is one thing. And then in the Clone Wars, it became something else when they tried to be all, they tried to be pacifist and it just didn't work with the Empire around. Mm-hmm. So, like, what happened afterwards is, is interesting to me. There's a baby Yoda, by the way. I don't know if you guys saw that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike? Your thoughts. I would also like to see a little bit more about the Mandalorian tribe. I think that's definitely something that you can you can dig a little bit deeper into. Um, the other thing that I'm looking forward to is I'm going to liken this to a video game. Since like five minutes into the first episode, we've been on like the story mission. I want to get back to the, like the side missions. I want to see more about this bounty hunter life that we've kind of you know almost ignored after that first like ep- ep- you know first scene in that first episode where he's actually a bounty hunter like right now he's on uh, you know a companion That's quest right. with yeah. with this baby Yoda thing and I'd like to be able to you know him to look at a bounty board and pick up more requests see what you know more about that other life that we've kind of 
almost ignored um, ever since then. So that's that's definitely what I want to get back into. That's cool. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Um, both good. Both things I also want to see explored more. Another thing I'm looking forward to is kind of figuring out who is uh, kind of working him over here because he ran into IG-11 who had a fob also for that bounty. And he thought he was the only one on it. And then the Trandoshans who appeared and started attacking him also for that bounty. So somebody or many people are... I, I think it's many people. Yeah. Because IG-11's directive was bring to it back it. dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's there's a bigger sort of something going on in, uh, that uh, I'm looking forward to. That You know, the end of the main quest mm-hmm. storyline there. Um, but I agree with both of you. I think that those those are also things I'd like to see explored more going forward. Any any final kind of comments on on the Mandalorian? The two episodes we've seen so far. <sighs> I really like the giant walrus monster. Yes, I'll go into kind of like a couple of the gripes that I had with the episode. Yeah, let's hear some gripes. Um, I was. One thing that I was worried about that I stopped being worried about like at the beginning was that when we were in that scene with the Smith, um, she said something that brought him into a, a flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was worried that that was going to be how they developed this character. They were going to put on a bunch of different flashbacks. That's how we got his backstory. I'm glad to see that didn't happen through the rest of the first couple episodes, but I was worried that, oh my gosh, they're just going to throw us flashbacks and that's how we know about this character. So uh, that was one thing. The other thing is the music's good, but I think it's way overbearing for yeah. the scenes that they put in it. Like the, the epicness that they throw into the most mundane scenes was just, it was too much for me. Um, I thought that they could have definitely toned that down um, and, and made either the dialogue or the action take a little bit more of a role in how you felt about it, as opposed to building you up through just the music. I thought it, it just, it tried too much to, to make the story epic when it's really, you know, everything else that should be doing that. It should be a compliment, not its own thing. Fair enough. John? Gregs? Force user in the first episode is mm-hmm. my only gripe, but then then it happened to be a, 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 Yoda, a Yodamans, and now I want to know more about the Yodamans. Um, yeah, please. <laughs> please and thank you. Um, Metachlorian, chewable gummies. I'm glad that it's we've had a lot of action scenes and stuff, but it feels like it's moving slower than I think uh, we're used to in this sort of uh, genre, which I think is good. Yeah, mm-hmm. specific, especially because it's a, a uh, television quote quote uh, show that um, series. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what I'm I'm really hoping that they don't do the classic American thing of Hey, people like the show. Let's run it for 13 seasons and then just run it into the ground. And then ask ourselves why no one liked the last season or the last eight seasons. Mm. And if we could just follow the British pattern of let's just end it and move on. I would like that. I think the fact Uh that it's on a streaming service is going to help it go in that direction. And I do like that they are releasing it um, week by week. Yeah. Um, as much as I'd l- rather, like, I'd want to binge watch it all, then we'd binge watch it all, and then we'd just be sitting there waiting right. for the last season of Clone Wars to come out. 
Dave. <laughs> I don't think he's actually working on it. <laughs> yeah. I had two gripes. One kind of connects to your your music thing. Not enough walrus, uh, we know. When the when we get that scene where he's fighting the cave rhino for the egg, um, there's a, a a musical store that starts where I couldn't tell if it was the creature screaming or the music. Nice. Was it that scratching noise? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, I don't. What is happening? Um, and then also in that very scene, there was a really weird moment, and this is such a tiny, tiny like editor gripe where the slow-mo yeah it was this really weird slow-mo moment it wasn't used anywhere in the other two episodes it was only used once for two seconds and it didn't make any sense and it wasn't like a high film speed slow-mo it was we need to make the scene last two seconds longer yeah like frame (laughs) skipping slow-mo it It was was super weird and distracting and it took me out of the moment for a second um which i you know but that again like I think we can agree all around that. You I know, think we could fix it if we just add him saying McClunky over that part. <laughs> That's a good. Uh, yeah, I'll go with that. McClunky. Uh, I I think that we can agree. You know, our gripes are kind of small. And, yes, and we're looking forward to uh, to seeing where this goes. The, they are the gripes of people that didn't find any major gripes and are like right. scrounging to find something negative so that we can have something to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But there's so. It's yeah. yeah, it's so minimal to like who cares? Right. Episode three, please. Yeah. Disney gives it didn't us money. ruin Star Wars for you? No. It okay. had it had that good Marvel humor. Oh, okay. oh that makes sense. <laughs> I've told that story on the podcast. Yes, I think. I'm sure. yeah, please don't go yeah. about it again. Yeah, no, I have told that on the podcast. Um In other Star Wars news, McClunky mm, is a pos- thing. I feel like John almost sabotaged uh, me to be able to take this seriously because I just had McClunky in my head, which we watched immediately before we started recording. So I'm a little bummed, but uh, yeah, that was some edit right there. Yeah. So the story behind this is that before Disney acquired the rights, there was another change made to the Greedo and Han scene in the the version of uh, New Hope that they were going to release where he changes who shot first again. Now they shoot simultaneously on the same frame and Greedo decides to shoot McClunky. Say, shout! Yep. Greedo decides to shout McClunky for no reason. It and might have been Greedo. It yeah. was a completely different voice and <laughs> cadence. <laughs> oh. No reason. No subtitle. How great would that have been if there just happened to be another Rodian sitting in the booth next to him? I'm like, what's going on here? McClunky! <laughs> and it's one of those things where it's so dumb, I can't hate it. Right. Yeah. It's I, I go back to it. I laugh. I don't know why or what the reasoning is behind it, but I, I love it so much. I think one of the things that's really funny is that I've seen almost an equal amount of talk about McClunky as I have about the Mandalorian. <laughs> Good. And that makes me laugh. But yeah, uh, upcoming in Star Wars, we have the next season of Clone Wars. I'm the last season of Clone Wars. I'm really interested to see if they're going to tie any of the Mandalorian, the Battle of Mandalore, Fall of Mandalore stuff that's coming out. If any of that's going to play any part in the Mandalorian, if it's going to be referenced at all, I think that'll be very interesting. Um, of course, we've got Rise of Skywalker coming out, 
Um, all three of us are going to see the movie on uh, opening night. So uh, all three of us will have a report back to you then for that. Uh, as you heard in the beginning of this episode, we are also letting you know this year about the Kessel Toy Run. Uh, and John did a great job letting you know about that in our last uh, Echo Base Nights. For more information, go ahead and check out the description. We also have the continuing Resistance uh, Season 2 is going on, and we'll have our Resistance Recons resuming very shortly, as soon as I get my head out of my buttocks and actually watch the episodes. So lazy. All my notes are ready to go. They have been for a week now. So uh, hopefully we'll get that out sooner rather than later. We'll get that good and going. Gentlemen, any final notes before we wrap up this episode of Hoth Topics? Mike, anything to add before we close up? No, I think that just about does it. All right. Thank you very much for joining me on this episode of Hoth Topics. I have been Ian. And I'm looking at Kung Fu and Phoenix. That was John. Mike's here as well. And that's roommate Mike. Thank you very much, everybody. We will see you next time. May the force be with you. McClunky. And also with you. And also you as well. A clunky on your house. <laughs> a clunky on your house. A clunky on your dog. A clunky on your cow.